Shut the f up! Like, I feel like it just gets more difficult like, every day. So those are sound bites from the D'Amelio show on Hulu, which follows the entire D'Amelio family and specifically Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, how they're navigating the world of Hollywood. Both Samir and I watched every episode and, and we came into the office feeling sort of strange about the world of social media. The show is no doubt dark. First of all, I was surprised at how much I liked the show. I was surprised at how much I liked the D'Amelios. Second of all, it was like too much for me being a member of this world to look at this through the lens of a 16-year-old achieving Kardashian-level fame in a year's time and how crazy that is. So we decided to make this episode all about our experience watching the D'Amelio show and unpacking what their world looks like and what the show goes into. There are a lot of takeaways for creators that we took from this show and really takeaways that can be applied to anyone of any scale who has a life on the internet. Now, this is a topic that we also covered in our newsletter, The Published Press. So if you aren't subscribed to The Published Press and you want to hear our thoughts on all things creators, you can subscribe to that because we're able to get those thoughts out much quicker than we get out our episodes on YouTube. So you get emails every Tuesday and Friday. You can sign up at thepublishedpress.com. Com. Also, this week, Colin and I are doing a keynote speech at VidSummit. How are you feeling about that, Cole? I'm excited. Equal parts nervous, equal parts excited. I think it's a landmark sort of moment for us to be giving a 50-minute talk in front of all these people. 50-minute talk? Live. Yeah, live. But you know, we've been improving a lot lately. Yeah, have we been? Yeah, I think so. Whether it's on this podcast okay. or whether sometimes it's giving talks to, you know, different companies and different people. Sure. Sometimes we'll just go off the cuff. Yeah. And I think we'll do a little bit of that. Yeah, I think we'll be a little off the cuff. So if you're going to be at VidSummit, come say what's up. If you're not going to be there, the talk will be filmed, probably be posted somewhere. You could watch it. But if you are going to be there, let us know. Come say what's up. We'll be there all week. All right. Now for our episode about The D'Amelio Show. Do you remember a world without Charlie D'Amelio? Yeah, definitely, 100%. <laughs> the reason why is I am 32 years old. <laughs> but the reason why you remember that is because it was like a year ago. I remember a world without TikTok. When you first start watching this reality show, you realize these people were just living their life in Connecticut like a year and a half ago. Yeah, you understand that it's an extremely normal family that had something wildly abnormal happen to them. It's crazy. I mean, we think about it all the time. I'm like, Charlie? Charlie D'Amelio, what the heck? It's still something that I have to get used to. The dad was selling sports equipment and the mom was a personal trainer. And the kids were just kids. Well, the kids were in high school. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the most interesting things is listening to Charlie continuously throughout the show mention that her fame is an accident. In her TikTok bio for a long time, it said, I don't get it either. Yeah. Alluding to, I don't understand why I'm so famous either. We've pulled some moments from the TikTok founder talking about how he distributed wealth on the platform. Building a community from scratch is like you just discovered a new land. In the beginning, you make sure majority of the wealth is distributed to a small percent of people. And then these people became role model for other people. And then you grow population, <laughs> you grow economy. Now, whether that's totally true or not, whether they hand-selected yeah. the D'Amelio kids or whether it was just the nature of the algorithm at the time. But what ended up happening is that a few people rose to stardom, specifically during the pandemic, in a wild 
manner from maybe a million to over a hundred million in a matter of a year. It really went from like zero to a hundred like that from her getting recognized in a restaurant to both kids now being mobbed. You can get famous really fast on TikTok. Charlie D'Amelio today at 124 million followers on TikTok. Now, granted, these aren't direct comparisons, but there's 209 million subscribers to Netflix. There's 42 million subscribers to Hulu. And then if you look at like how many people have chosen to subscribe to her or follow her, now they aren't paying. So it's like obviously less friction, but that's the amount of people who are choosing <laughs> to follow Charlie. And then additionally, if you see in a day, if she posts three TikToks, a lot of times these TikToks are doing 10 million views. You know, arguably one of the biggest television franchises, The Bachelor, the season finale last year did 6 million views. And this means that mainstream media cannot ignore people like Charlie D'Amelio or Dixie D'Amelio or some of these digital stars, right? Because their followings are so incomprehensible when you compare them to a traditional celebrity. So now you go from like having fun, getting all these followers to business opportunities, which is why Charlie says they moved to LA. When we were in lockdown in Connecticut, I felt like there was so much more that I could be doing and I kept getting these work opportunities out in LA that I couldn't do. The whole family moves to LA. And once you make that move, you're committing to, okay, now this is, this is a real business because the scale of her distribution is at the same scale of another big media empire, like a television network. Like she is at the same scale. So the opportunities are Dunkin' Donuts, make your own clothing line. Yeah. My life is very busy. I basically work a full-time job. There's this scene that's kind of jarring where their president, right? The president of D'Amelio Family Enterprises, yeah. this guy who comes from UTA, who's like clearly a big media executive, is sitting there with all these binders and he's planning out Charlie's next year like her whole year, top to bottom. What are the initiatives they're going to do? Who are the sponsors they're going to work with? Is there room for dance and to be a kid and to have like do nothing time with all of this? A hundred percent yes. And her happiness, the only thing that matters here, it's a lot, but it's really organized. And obviously you can feel with him, he's like, ideally that time is limited because we need to make all these people who work here need to make money and this company needs to grow and my wealth is attached to how much she's working. There's an unrelatable amount of pressure on Charlie D'Amelio. Yes. If I wanted to quit, well, now they don't have a job. It's a lot to put on one person. So a typical company is built like a pyramid. It's like there's a base workforce, there's a CEO at the top and everything kind of builds up to that as an org structure where there's one person at the top who's making decisions and all these people in the org are helping bring those decisions to life, make those happen, drive revenue for the company. But if someone in the organization leaves, you can pretty simply replace that. Even if the CEO leaves, the whole base of the pyramid is still there. It's barely changed. It's barely changed. You just have to, you, you do have to find someone there who can, who can operate it, but it could happen. And it does happen. CEOs leave all the time. CEOs are replaced all the time. In a single person media company, where the weight of all of it is based on one single person, it's actually the inverse of that. And if that person leaves, the whole thing falls. That is literally the definition of pressure. The company is actually built on top of her. It's not built around her. An example of a company that's built around talent is Barstool Sports. 
where you have Dave Portnoy, who kind of emerged as this like face of a company, and then a company was built around him. There's other talent pieces, there's other brands, there's other podcasts, there's other things all in and around him, where if he was pulled out, it would be really substantial, but the rest of Barstool would still exist. With the D'Amelios, the D'Amelio family enterprise, I think that's what their company is called, but that is just like, if Charlie leaves, completely, the company's gone. There's an episode where she wants to take a break because she's just going like, she's talking about deliverables. She's like back to back doing like so many brand deliverables, having to do all this stuff and wants to take a break. And the parents call Greg, the president of the company. Yeah. And they're like, Charlie needs a break. She needs some time to be a kid, just to do normal kid things. Just do what you need to do, clear, clear the schedule and. Got it. Um, you can hear the pause in his voice. Cause he's like, he goes, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And you can hear it from him. Cause he's like, this is, this is my, this is my career too, guys. Like, and he does the right thing, right? Yeah. He says, okay, we'll call everyone. We'll, we'll yeah. take a break. Yeah. We but can, it hurts we'll move, we'll move some things around, but that means he was probably on the phone with an advertiser, had something lined up for the next day, has to call them and say, we can't do it. I thought an interesting moment is when Charlie gets on the time next up list yeah. and she doesn't even know what time magazine really is. Yeah. And she's concerned about getting hate because she wants to know, am I next to a doctor mm -hmm. who's helping with the pandemic? Like, how am I positioned in this list? Are right. people saying that I'm as worthy of being on this list as a doctor? All the people that are doing a million more things than I am, I dance on the internet. Like, I shouldn't be on that list. And Greg is trying to contextualize to her why she belongs on the list. I think you represent, like, changing of how media is and how people are consuming stuff and you work super hard. The look on Charlie's face is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? The look is like, Greg, I'm 16. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Yeah. It's both empowering and overwhelming. It's empowering to know that as a creator today, you can, you can go up against big media companies. You can drive attention, audience, culture by yourself in your room. But it's also when it turns into an organization like that, I mean, overnight, that is, that is a lot of pressure. And then you layer in what I think the entirety of the show kind of covers, which is being online and having other people judge you online. And these comments come up throughout the whole series. There's like YouTube comments. I think they're YouTube comments. I don't know. They're very like nondescript. I think they're just trying to suggest like, there's a mix of like positivity and negativity at any given moment. And these girls are plugged in to what is happening and reading these comments and being judged by other people basically every minute of the day. And there's a part where Lil Huddy, first of all, shows up with a cane to a hibachi dinner. Chase walks in the door with a cane. He kind of looks like Willy Wonka. Is, is that like with the sunglasses. <laughs> is that a compliment? <laughs> Loved it. Bold. Very bold. He shows up. And someone asked, like, why are, why are all of you guys so well-mannered? This third person that's not really existed to any other generations, like, that. <laughs> but it's like, it's like in your head all the time. Like a point of view judgment that you feel. Like, do, do I look stupid walking in here? My mind was blown when I heard that. I was like, you got, you're right. You have always grown up knowing that other people are watching you and presenting your brand to a group of people. Their judgment gives us our own third person judgment. Yeah. It's like, oh, how would someone on social media see me if I was wearing this outfit right now? Yeah, like, yeah. would I get made fun of for doing that? Even if you're a high school kid with 100 followers, 
thousand followers from people in your hometown. The third eye is still the third eye. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred million people watching or if it's a hundred people. You're living life with a lens. Are we walking weird? Do I sound stupid? What am I saying? As creators, we become so accustomed to validation. Mm. It becomes routine that when we get hate, it's extremely loud. I mean, Charlie D'Amelio probably gets hundreds of thousands of comments, yeah. but she still manages to see the hate comments. Right. Even for us, if we have a video that gets a lot of comments, we can't read every comment, but we still sometimes see those hate comments. Yeah, yeah, those are the loudest ones. Which Even if it's one out of 2,000, yeah. You've managed, somehow you see it. Yeah. Has there ever been a comment that's affected you? Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of comments about how tired I look, mm. which has to do with just my physical appearance. Right. Which may even be the case today. Mm. That like, maybe I look tired. Yeah. And that, that gets to me. Got it. Yeah. And, and it's made me self-conscious about like lighting and you know. Yeah. yeah. I think when I look at comments, I always think like, wow, that's amazing that someone took time out of their day to write this. Positive or negative? Well, the I'm weird like, thing is if you respond amazing. to that person, yeah. they actually, most likely, they're so happy to be acknowledged. Yeah. And they're not a hater of you. Right. They're because if they're watching, something. you exist in their world. Right, right, right. So if you acknowledge them, they're like, Oh, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the show. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. cool. <laughs> the whole show like has these these kind of mental health uh, disclaimers. And it is a little eerie to see that disclaimer followed immediately by this Hollister ad with Charlie and Dixie like smiling. Which you learned about in the confines of the episode. Yeah. There was a social tourist binder mm-hmm. as well as a Hulu show binder. Right. That's what I was about to say. You zoom back out and you realize the show itself is part of the deliverables that they need to execute this year for the D'Amelio family enterprises. And you're like, wait, this is crazy. When they're talking about taking a break and hanging out with their friends. Since Charlie and I have been super busy, I plan this little girl's getaway. They're actually not taking a break. They're still working. Yeah, she said like, I'm really excited to just spend a day hanging out with no cameras, but then the show's filming them. And basically what she's saying is like without her own camera, like without filming herself and without having to film. I think the solve here and the thing that creators should think about as they're starting to grow is you kind of have to split what you're doing into two sides. There is a talent focused business, right? Which is you being on camera equals dollars. And then there's a brand focused version, which is brand led. An example of this can be social tourist, right? With the D'Amelios where over time, can they introduce new faces of that clothing line? And can that clothing line just be its own thing. Can social tourist be without the D'Amelios? If they have social tourist across uh, every retailer in the US for a whole year and Charlie and Dixie don't make any videos, does it still sell? If they can successfully do that, that's that's really powerful. Now, another version of this, just also in apparel, is, is Yes Theory and Seek Discomfort. Seek Discomfort as a brand does drops without Yes Theory in the content, without them making videos, and it still sells. It's brand-led. Now it has a brand message that represents what they do, but it's not talent led anymore, which is really powerful. And I think that's the goal for all creators is to think about in concert with building my talent led business. I should also think about building something that's brand led, you know, something where there is a brand that represents my values, but doesn't require me at all times. And there's the option that if you're not able to make a brand that lives longer than your time on camera, you get a job. No matter what really happens with social media, like I could always go into like marketing because I know how it works. Like I know the back ends of everything. I mean, that's going to be a reality, probably not obviously for Charlie D'Amelio, but for a lot of creators, there's always that thought. I know, yeah. In the back of your head, 
what else could I do? You know, there's there's also just innovation in how this all works. Like what Victoria Paris was talking to us about on our show, she said she's considering going six months on and then six months dark. That's possible. That could work where you just think about like creating content for six months out of the year and then the other six months you're dark and you do it's like the Frank Ocean stuff. model. Yeah. Like but not everyone can do the not Frank. Everyone, everyone wants yeah. to be Frank I know, Ocean. I know. I speak to so many musicians and they're like, I kind of want to be like Frank Ocean. Right. I'm like, I think all of us want to be like Frank Ocean. I think everyone wants to you be You just like disappear and then you drop an album and it's the best. Right. Yeah. I don't, that's hard with creators because you're like in a battle for relevancy yeah. every day. You're in this like this treadmill, this hamster wheel. I mean, I don't know how long anyone like expects me to just keep going as if like nothing's wrong. Yeah. Charlie didn't ask for any of this. And there's a really great quote from Drew Gooden. He said, children are becoming famous and then they have to figure out what they're good at. And that is exactly what has happened to Charlie. She even says in the show, people ask, what do you do? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> right. Because she's 16 at yeah. the time of filming this show. I, I think the, the concept of trying to figure out what you do in social media is starting to happen more and more because there's, there's this one element, we talked about this in our boxing episode, but there's this like element of, am I just chasing views and, and playing the algorithm and just like trying to figure out how to you know, gamify this to generate enough viewership and generate enough attention. And at some point that goal is like even unrelatable to yourself. You're like, what is that goal? Why do what, I want that? Why goal? do I want that? And you have to root it in something else, which is why boxing for, for someone like Logan Paul became a much more tangible goal. It's like, oh, I'm trying to win this boxing match. We spoke to Ryan Garcia, who's a professional boxer, also has a YouTube channel and a TikTok and Instagram presence. And he was so thankful that he was a boxer first because yeah. he understood the motivation behind that. He said, I can't imagine if my self-worth was dependent upon solely viewership. Mm -hmm. He says, at the end of the day, I do this so that I can drive people to my fights. And that's, I think, the thing about, you know, their rise is, again, they didn't just rise as talent. Like, she did not rise as, hey, that's a dancer we all love. Or even Dixie, hey, that's a singer we all love. Let's yeah. watch her rise to the top. Yeah, so they actually have to try and do that now on the back half of, of it. But their business is actually being a media distribution company saying, we distribute media and generate a lot of attention. You can advertise with us. If we do something, we can sell a lot of products. That is their business. And now the girls are, it seems like through the show that they're trying to find their, their passions. Exactly what Drew said is like, we're famous now. But what do we do? But I do think there's going to be innovation because this can't last. It can't last like this for, for people to experience this type of pressure um, and this type of mental toll that, that this stuff takes. And so I do think the show surprised me because it was much more real, I think. There's, there's some of it that was like, you know, I, you could feel like some of it was overproduced or like they set up these situations. But, but I thought it was going to be entirely that. Yeah, me too. Of like, we're doing a beach date. Yeah. Right. That's like, you, you only did that for the show. Right. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't as much of that as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And this was the first time I've really understood Charlie D'Amelio's personality even a little bit. Like I Same. had no idea what Charlie D'Amelio's personality was like. I had no idea. No idea. So this was really interesting to see. And really the self-awareness I think is like, the thing that I really enjoyed in this show. People have made comments like Dixie only has a career because of Charlie. What would you say to that? Yeah, thanks. I just thought it was nice that as a family, they like each other. They joke with each other. Family is so important, especially like with what we're going through. I'm just happy that I have you guys every day. 
<laughs> Such an asshole. What? I just thought it was a very realistic portrayal of a family. I mean, I, I know we've made videos about Charlie and Dixie before, yeah. but I have a much better idea now of if they were to come on the show, the type of conversation we would have, how it would go. And I feel like it'd be a fun conversation. It'd be a great conversation. Do you think it's just the universal desire of, you know, young people to be rich and famous now? I don't know if it's wealth as much as it is validation mm. and the feeling that there aren't that many roadmaps available to you. That this is not right. a time where college works like it used to. Mm-hmm. Like the American dream has changed, right? Right. And so maybe my one shot is to become famous. The TikTok dream. I thought I was going to be a banker. So Right. I kind of thought I was going to be doing this. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for watching this episode of the Colin and Samir show. And thanks again to everyone who has subscribed to the channel. If you made it to this part of the video and you haven't subscribed, subscribe.